Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. Did you get much sleep last night? Actually not. I didn't think so. <laughs> All of the ghouls and goblins and everything that comes out on uh, All Hallows' Eve. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> that too. That too. But you know what? It's a great day to be together looking at the Word of God. I've been looking forward to this ever since the last episode. So we're looking at Matthew 8 today, aren't we? No. That was the last episode. We're looking at Matthew 9. That is correct. Let's turn the page in this Bible, folks. Let's turn the page. Matthew Absolutely. chapter 9. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. And uh, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, as per usual. Okay? All right. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. So two things. Number one, this is absolutely always one of my favorite Bible stories in Bible class growing up, it seems like teachers would figure out ways to act this out and just really bring it to life. The whole did anybody ever dig a hole? Well, we would maybe take turns carrying a friend and things like that. But so I can't wait to talk about it. Here's the second thing, though. It jumped out at me as you began reading verse one. So he got into a boat, the New King James says, and I I can't help but be reminded where chapter eight ended that he had cast out the demons of uh, the the fellows over in the Gadarenes and the people had asked him to leave. Mm. And so he did. And uh, it's remarkable to me. He observed that request, goes back another boat ride to now demonstrate this power over sin. They had uh, pushed away in that uh, region, the man who has the power to forgive sins. Pushed away the man who has the power to forgive sins, the man who has the power to make the lame walk, the man who has the power to cast out demons. They they did. They pushed it away. And so what they were doing when they did that was pushing away the blessing that comes along with that man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he takes away our pigs, which of course was a metaphor, if we picked up on it, for anything that's coming between us and God. He, he takes yeah. those things away. There really were pigs. I mean, literally, those were pigs. Yes, There's a yes, lesson yes, there. Yes, 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 I'm yes. with you. Right. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. There really were pigs. But for us in our application, uh, it, it's we that idea of anything that comes between me and God, he's going to take that away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that might be a whole lot like cutting off a right hand or plucking out a right eye, which I think also served as metaphors. <laughs> you know, yes. we're going to do some sacrificing mm-hmm. when we follow this king. 
But look at the blessing that comes along with this king, the blessing that is completely worth the sacrifice, the pruning, the cleansing. And that's exactly what we see. So where uh, we left Jesus in the eighth chapter, he had departed the area of Capernaum to go and, and have that event. He's been asked to leave. He goes back probably again to Capernaum. Uh, and the crowds are still hungry for him, right? Uh, he has an audience there to, uh, you know, that is pressed in so much around the house, nobody else can get any closer to him to hear his teaching. And so, uh, you know, I honestly, it, it's, I, I'm reading through this story, and I'm realizing that even in the times that I've read through it, as we've been studying it, as we've been doing our congregational reading, I have been reading into, and as I was preparing the blog post and our discussion here, I have been reading into this Matthew account, what we learn about it from the other accounts. Sure, sure. This, this account doesn't include the fact that they dug a hole through the roof mm-hmm. and lowered him down through it, but that is what happened. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And so there's, there's the crowd— he can't. They can't get to Jesus, and so they take him up on a roof, according to Mark and Luke's account of this. And they dig a hole and they lower Jesus down through the uh, lower Jesus. They lower this paralytic, this lame man, down through the roof to be seen by Jesus. And then Jesus says, "Your sins are forgiven." Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that wonders what was going through the mind of the lame man. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't know, and and I can speculate a couple of things. You know, on the one hand, it might be that the lame man was, yes, thank you. It may be that the lame man believed his paralysis was because of his sin. Hey, for all I know, he may be paralyzed. In fact, all of a sudden realizing that, um, yeah, it does not say that he was paralyzed from birth. I, I'm just all of a sudden realizing, hey, I've been reading into this from Mark and Luke, uh, making sure I'm not missing things, but... Uh, who knows, maybe he had done something that uh, prompted the paralysis, you know, that got him in a situation that caused an accident. I don't know. And so maybe what was weighing on this man's mind most was his sin. So maybe he was super excited. Mm-hmm. But I tend to think mm-hmm. he's being brought to be healed. Because of all the other amazing healings going on, right? Yes. And gets to the door and can't get in. So there's a little disappointment. And in my mind, I can imagine one of the other guys finally saying, I have an idea. And they climb up onto the roof, they dig a hole through it, they lower him down, and Jesus, rather than saying, be cleaned, mm-hmm. rather than saying, rise up and walk, right, rather than saying, your faith has made you whole, says, hey, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wonders, well, okay, um, I, thank you, thank you for forgiving my sins, but what about my legs? Well, is it kind of like, was, was he as surprised to hear these words as the crowd or the Pharisees? There's a lot of reaction to this. Yeah. It's almost like it had been, well, it had been less shocking if he had just led with, rise, rise take up your bed and walk. Yeah. Like, oh, he healed somebody else. <laughs> He's saying something here, though, that is a that is a, a game changer, just shocking to hear. Yes. Uh, in fact, the way Matthew records it is that the reaction of the scribes, it says within themselves in the New King James, among themselves and their hearts, uh, this man blasphemes. He has spoken against God. In what respect? Well, he would be usurping authority from God. I, I feel like it is in Mark's account of this event where it's uh, you know kind of explicitly stated who can forgive sins except for God. Uh, here it's much more succinct. You know, this is blasphemy to put yourself in the place of God and forgive sins. 
Um, and so I think Jesus again amazes because uh, while they aren't saying this right to his face, he begins to address them and speaks to what's going on in their hearts or, or going on kind of quietly among them. Yeah. So Jesus is demonstrating <laughs> Jesus is all kinds of authority. Mind right reading now. here. Yeah. 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 Um, so a couple things that I find fascinating on that is that he does forgive his sins and the man doesn't immediately start walking. The reason why I bring that up is I remember at one point I, I actually had a couple of evangelistic people that came and knocked on my door when I was uh, in college. And we got to talking and uh, they talked about how, well, if you're sick, it's because you're a sinner. And mm. how, how would we know that? Well, because when he forgave this man's sins, he started walking. Uh, Except that's not how it happens. He forgave his sins and the man didn't start walking. Yeah. Uh, look, it may be that sin was somehow involved in why he was paralyzed, but taking his sins away was not the thing that healed him physically. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That that was a separate miracle. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that. I think it is because in this instance, the miracle, the rise, take up your bed and walk was to demonstrate the truth of his previous statement that when I say your sins are forgiven, they're forgiven. He puts it to him like that. What is easier to say? Uh, Your sins are forgiven. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, one is verifiable by our five senses. We can all stand here and witness if this fellow stands up with a bed, you know, takes his bed or not. Whereas this business about your sins are forgiven, I maybe, I I can't see that. How do I I know? Yeah. You know, it's it's a pretty outrageous thing that you're even saying that, but I would never know. However, I can see this other. And I think Jesus demonstrates to us the purpose of all the miracles. I don't want to remove the compassion of Jesus in these miraculous healings throughout the gospel stories. In fact, multiple times, actually a couple of times, it talks about when he saw somebody, he At had least compassion. one time. Well, I just want to say— <laughs> I know in this chapter. No, I just I just want to say that it's it's that's not like every time there's a miracle it says, oh, Jesus had compassion. It's, correct. It's right. actually a couple of times. But right. I don't want to deny that those times are there. No. He had compassion yes. uh, with the widow of Nain's son, had compassion. Yes. And so let's not remove that. There was compassion. But in this account, we find out the purpose behind the miracles. Mm-hmm. The purpose behind the miracles was to demonstrate that Jesus has authority. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of authority that actually matters for me in really serious ways ways. We've already learned throughout Matthew that he's got authority over the storms and the seas and the wind and the waves. He's got authority over demons. He's got authority over disease. He's got so much authority that he can be miles away from a person and just speak the word that they be healed, and they will be. That's the kind of authority he has. But what is the purpose of demonstrating all that authority? Is the purpose of demonstrating all that authority so that like when it's raining really hard, I can say, hey, Jesus, stop the rain, and I know he can do it? Or is actually the purpose of demonstrating all that authority is that I have an actual real need. Mm -hmm. And my real need is I am a sinner and I don't need somebody who can make me walk. I don't need somebody who can take my cancer away. I don't need somebody who can stop the storms. I need somebody who can forgive my sins. And I don't want to get too far away from that, but just a a connection I'm making here as we're talking. You talked about how he has this authority over sickness. He can speak a word in even miles away. So in the eighth chapter of Matthew, that centurion servant 
was lying at home paralyzed. Okay. Okay. So the the crowd in that region knows this is something that Jesus, this is a healing he can do, and he doesn't even have to be there, but we're going to bring this paralyzed guy to him. Mm -hmm. Now, to what you were saying about his power to forgive sins and that authority, I think it's important for us to remember uh, prophetically about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the announcement about his birth, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Sins. Not uh, disease, etc., but it is from their sins. And so I, I think you're right. I think the demonstration of all these other um, evils and, and difficult circumstances and, you know, the... The manifestations, I guess, of the effect of sin on this world. He bats back all of that, but it is to demonstrate ultimately the forgiveness of sins and the power to save our souls. What we learn about Jesus here is that actually Jesus did not come to save me from the hurts and the pains and the miseries that other people have brought against me or that life in general has inflicted upon me. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not to say that he didn't deliver some people from some of those things he did. sometimes. Right. But he didn't come to deliver me from all the hurts that have been perpetrated against me. He actually came to deliver me from all the hurt that I have perpetrated against him and against those who are around me. And understanding that, I think, is really the key to understanding the way his ministry is going to unfold in all of these Gospels. If it really was about healing paralytics, etc., he could have opened up his shop in Capernaum and had the miracle store, and people come to him every day, and yep. he heals. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to preach the good news. Or he could have done what most people think he did. He could have gone to all the places where all the, the sick and dying and healed all of them. There's actually only one story in the scripture in John where Jesus goes to where all the sick people are congregated and does any healing, and he only heals one guy. <laughs> That's, That's right. at that pool where he right. says, hey, do you want to get into the pool? Do you want to be healed? Yeah, I, you know, but nobody will move me, and he heals them. That's the only time he does that. Yeah. Most of the time, it's it's and, this. Yeah, and they it, come that, to him. That's a great thing to point out that there were other people sitting around there. We we got to wrap up. Yeah, but there's yeah, one I'm other sorry. thing I want to see here before we say the prayer. It is interesting to me that I think the people, while they glorify God, they missed the point just a little bit. They glorified God, who had given such authority to men. They got halfway to the point. Jesus is the Son of Man. He declares himself the Son of Man. But these, this is actually leading us to a farther point than God has brought this authority and given it to men, because there's no other man that has this authority. It was just right. that one man. And there's a reason for that, because he's more than man. We'll, we'll be talking about that, I think, in the other conversations. Why don't you wrap us up with prayer, Andrew? Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the Scripture and for Matthew 9 as we're reading it together. Lord, we are reminded again that Jesus Christ has power to forgive sins. In the presence, he forgave it in his word. Now, Father, through the power of the gospel and the gospel message, we thank you that Jesus forgives sins and saves us from our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.